0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Book More Show. It's Stuart here with Betsy. How's it going, Betsy? Very good.
1: Good to be here.
0: Good, good. Uh, Betsy's just back from vacation. If you can hear that relaxed tone in her voice, it's the uh, (laughs) being out of the office for a week definitely helps. It
1: does. It does. It's nice to be back, though.
0: Always. (laughs) Um, So today, we're going to be disciplined today. We're not going to talk about the weather. I'm not going to go off on a tangent. And we're definitely going to talk about (laughs) the book blueprint scorecards elements five and six which is a purposeful outline and value-driven content so we kind of trailed it a little bit last week but then went off on it on a slightly different track so today we're gonna get through it sound good
1: all right yeah looking forward to it
0: perfect so, um, if anyone's just joining us partway through this series of the book blueprint scorecard, then I'll put a link in the show notes here for the other episodes so you can listen to them all through. Um, show notes for this one are going to be at 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast, and then this is episode 053. 053. So, the eight elements of the book blueprint scorecard. Other ways of judging your project, your book project, how effective it's going to be against the things that, particularly for, I don't necessarily want to say a lead generation book, but a book that's designed to engage customers rather than just being obviously narrative or fiction or... or Um, just purely for entertainment so there are eight elements that are are important considerations and the scorecard is a way of scoring yourself across each of those to identify which areas you've got nailed down already and which ones you might want to pay some more attention to so that it's the most effective that it can be so we'll hit them one at a time Number five then is a purposeful outline. So we're kind of slowly moving through the book from from start to finish. We talked last time about, or last time in the series, about the minimum viable commitment call to action. So this is when people get to the back of the book. We've already talked about a title, so we know how we're identifying people at the front of the book. So a purposeful outline is really when you think about it, particularly in a physical sense where people are physically getting a copy of the book, the majority of people look at the front cover, almost everyone looks at the back cover. And then as you start working through the pages, a decreasing number of people get further and further into the book because that's just the way it goes. So we talk about creating a book that's kind of a bite sized consumable book. We often talk about being consumed on a flight. Um, I'll often be flying from Florida back up to Philadelphia, although. Not for a little while, but back and forth then, that's like a two hour flight. So by the time you've got settled in a seat, got a drink of coffee, or maybe not airplane coffee, but but got a drink, got settled down, then an hour to an hour and a half of reading is a great time frame to think about someone being able to dedicate to consume your book, to understand what this topic is that you're trying to introduce or the point of view or the take that you've got on it it's reasonable to expect someone to be able to get through it in that period of time. And the length of books that we traditionally talk about or typically talk about are perfect to fit in that gap. Mm-hmm. So the first page that someone really gets to is the table of contents. And the table of contents is really the the key after the front and back. it's It's the page that the majority of people are going to look at because it's easy for them to consume. There's no commitment. They can look at it without feeling that they've got to sit down and start. It's not like a a clock's running. There's no kind of intellectual um, requirement or commitment needed to to glance at it. It's almost like that judging page of, okay, well, I'm pretty sure I want to read this. I've picked it up. I've requested it because I've, uh, the title resonates with me. I've looked at the back cover and and seen where this is leading so the table of contents is really kind of those bullet points those headlines to talk about mm-hmm. what's coming up what's in the pages ahead
1: that is so true you know I'm, I'm kind of like walking through this in my head and you know um we talk a lot about you know people will look at the front of the book and they'll f- obviously we flip it over to the back of the book and that's where it kind of sucks us in, but then opening it up. And I always do that. I always go in and, and I see people like a bookstore. I'm still a bookstore kind of girl. Um, So I go to bookstores and, and I like a physical book, you know, in my hand. So um, I see people and they just flip it over and um, probably more so since I'm in this line of of work now, you know, Um, but I always people don't always open up. Yeah. Yeah. So I open up, I look at the table of contents and there's, there's gotta be, Even though I've been grabbed by the back cover, there's got to be a few things in that table of contents that, you know, grabs my attention too. And then I go, okay, this is a book for me, you know, whatever this, I need to to read this kind of thing. So, um,
0: yeah, it's almost like we've mentioned it a couple of times before when we've talked about read rates and how few people actually read a book and and why this is important to us as we're thinking about creating books not by us, obviously, I mean, you guys, the people that are listening now, it's important when thinking about creating it because it's so easy to get sucked into the, creating the, the book and focused on the book where really the book is just the tool to identify a potential client and, right. and start a conversation. So it's, it's, it's so easy to forget about that and think about it the other way around. But we often talk about as the book purchaser, you almost want the benefits of the book to be delivered to you through osmosis. Just by ordering it, you want <laughs> right. the benefit. I don't want to have to buy a book and then read the damn thing. <laughs> I, don't, right. I just want all of those benefits magically given to me just because I've, I've touched it. And the table of contents <laughs> is almost like a little cheat to, to kind of deliver those high level messages, just the bullet points without necessarily expecting someone to to read it all so again all of these little persuasion type techniques or subtle cues to make people think that they're in the in the right place i mean ideally again we're talking about using these to generate to business and to start conversations so number one you'd want someone just to I mean, the whole premise around it is that someone requests a copy of the book because it's there, it exists. It's the, the reason for someone to give you their name and email address. And if nothing else actually happened with the rest of the book itself, then that's great. It's done its job. It's moved them onto the next stage. Ideally, then they'd engage you in conversation, in dialogue through email or individually. And then the job of having a book has actually been achieved without necessarily having it. I mean, just on a side note, and I'm going to try and reel myself in so I don't get too sidetracked here. But just on a side note, this is the whole premise around the bestsellers thing. There's a number of programs around that say, come and work with us, create a bestseller. The fact that you've got a bestseller and you can put that label on there means that you'll. it's a benefit for credibility in all of this business. Now, we don't talk about that type of thing. But the point I want to make is that a lot of those programs actually at the point that someone gets an amazon bestseller title the book doesn't even exist because you can pre-sell copies up to i forget what the time frame is maybe 90 days before and as long as you Mm -hmm. hit that delivery date so that the title doesn't get pulled and and then obviously that's bad but you can actually be a bestseller with having zero book at all it's i mean it just really goes to to emphasize the 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 on the one hand, the nonsense of the system, and on the other hand, all of these kind of mental, um, psychological cues that can be pulled from without necessarily having to commit to a full program that backs it all up. So um, obviously I'm not saying get a bestseller get on the right, right. and then don't do anything, but the, the thing that you actually do becomes less relevant to a certain degree now obviously as with everything it depends and the content of the book needs to be big enough um valuable enough to so that the recipient doesn't the reader doesn't feel um cheated by giving right. you an hour of their time and then actually realizing that it's been wasted which is the next profit uh, next profit activated the next book blueprint scorecard mindset that we'll get to which is value driven content But this whole thing of starting the conversation, if I can start the conversation just by getting someone to raise their hand that's great. If they then get a copy of the book and they look on the back cover and that call to action is enough to encourage them to take that next step, that's great. It's done its job. If they then open the book and the, table of contents the kind of bullets that are in there are enough to convince them or compel them to take the next step then hey it's done its job and then when we get into the content itself if the message that you're delivering resonates with them enough for them to take that next step then that's great it, it it's done its job but at every stage there's the opportunity for it to have done its job at every stage so right. with that kind of expanded detail covered the <laughs> The main point that we want to make is that the table of contents in a fiction type book or a textbook, the, con, the table of contents, the table of contents—tripple of my words today—the table of contents is a is a key, is a, a reference point to content in the book. In this context, yes, that's one job, because that's the framework that everyone expects. But the other job, and in a certain way, the more important job is the table of contents should be thought of as bullet points in a slide presentation so if you were speaking from a stage one of the first couple of slides that you would put up is here's what we're going to talk about because there's that old kind of education um uh trick or or framework of tell them what you're going to tell them then tell them and then tell them what you've told them to kind of establish those that message that you're trying to get across so think of the table of contents as those bullets that you put up early in the presentation say okay here's what we're about to go through the beginning the middle the end the bullets the table of contents by themselves should almost tell a bit of a story there should be the, the thread that leads them from the cover to the back cover the last chapter in the books that we do for people, we always or usually put as here's what to do next. So again, it's given people that anchor to if they don't actually want to sacrifice an hour of their time to read it, they can just jump to here's what to do next, which really for most people, it's just a repeat of what's on the back cover because it's it's that, that next step, that minimum viable commitment next step. That's the important thing.
1: You know, when I speak to people um, who are either, you know, just on board or, or thinking about coming on board, um, one of the questions I always say is like, okay, do I need to have my outline ready? So from our perspective, you're at 90 minute books. Um, I always say, no, we don't have to have, you know, I don't, we try to make it as simple as possible, as easy as possible around here. Um, and so I always explain, no, we don't Now some individuals, because we will do that for you. And, you know, with our content team, they will work with that, you know, with you on that and help you create that natural flow. And and like you said, almost that story itself. And, um, and and we see that a lot. And then, you know, so individuals like either have, we we see sort of um, one extreme or the, or the other, like absolutely n- no outline prepared, nothing whatsoever, which is fine. I don't want people to ever freak out like, oh, I don't have that. I'm not ready <laughs> thing. But we've also seen, you know, the other end where... Um, maybe over-prepared or a lot of information where we've received, you know, like 15 page outlines and um, which could essentially be, I mean, that tells, that tells, that's almost too much information. That's, that's yeah. far too much information, you know? And so, um, but, I mean, when you it's think it's about having,
0: to, to, if you think about having to write to support 15 pages of, 15 of pages, outline, yeah. Then, I mean, you'd get into significant textbook, territory, that's a lot of content to back it up. I think the couple that I've seen that are very heavily prepared like that, I think the... And Susan and the content team are great at doing this. they kind of pulling it back up to yes. what are the key points and then what of this work that you've already done to outline can be used as kind of sub points or headings or reminders, kind of the aid memoir type thing of as you record in the content, use these additional points to make sure you don't miss anything rather than trying to use that as a, as a table of contents and really overdo what's in it and all of these elements tie back into each other so someone coming with or as you're listening to this if you've got a very very heavy outline we talk in the next profit i keep calling it profit activators. if <laughs> um, anyone that's listening that doesn't know the eight profit activators is a very strong framework that we use on across all of the elements of the business here and it rolls off the tongue or it's so ingrained it rolls off the tongue faster than book blueprint uh it does activators. Oh, mindsets rather so anyway um, the number seven in the book blueprint scorecard is beneficial constraints so we'll talk about the the reason that you really want to consider dialing things in and putting a scope on it because otherwise you could write you could still be writing this in a year's time and we hear from so many people who come on board with it eventually having first reached out a year or two years ago and then just not mm-hmm. progressed it because they write themselves into a corner or create an outline that they just don't have time or inclination to deliver upon. So that that high level, thinking of the table of contents as bullet points that you would have on a presentation, mm-hmm. I think is a great way for people to think about it. If you come into work with us and you don't have anything already, then that's exactly what the content team do. Right. And Susan particularly is very, very good at, saying okay well who's it you're trying to engage with what's the thing that's most important to them and if they needed to know five things in order to get from not knowing anything to knowing something that will start to progress the conversation what are those five things and then let's structure around that around that because again as we always say there's always more that you could say there's not necessarily always more that you should say so right again, yeah. um, having the outline tailored to that particular Um, use case or funnel or reason for having the book in the first place, all of that's going to help. So I'm going to quickly dive into that. the four mindsets. So, as I say, if you're joining this and not yes. listened to any of the previous ones, then head over to either 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast, and this is episode 53, um, or look for any of the other book blueprint episodes. And there'll be a link in there to a PDF version of the book blueprint scorecard so you can score yourself. Uh, download a copy of it and score yourself or the best way of doing it is heading over to bookblueprintscore.com and then there's a scorecard on there that will step you through step by step by step each of the mindsets and allow you to put a a card and then it will email you at the end of it the the your score so you can keep a track of it as you go through so the four mindsets for number five which is a purposeful outline at the lowest level you don't have a plan to create an outline at all. You might know a lot about your field and be able to create content, but you just haven't really thought about the structure of what it should be. So if you're at that level, that's really a case where it's just you need to think about it. You might be coming to this and thinking about writing a book from the kind of mindset of I need to write something. I can talk about this subject. I should just write on that or I know that we get a lot of questions about this particular subject. I should just write on that and then, and then start with the content rather than starting with the outline. Hmm. The problem there is exactly what we were saying earlier. There's no scope constraints. There's no directions. It's like that old analogy of, I need to, instead of planning to get from A to B in the journey, just starting to drive and hoping that you stumble across the destination. Not the best, uh, not the best plan. No, it's not. (laughs) So, Number two, then level the second level, you've narrowed your focus to a specific target audience, which is one of the mindsets we talked about earlier on, but it's still very relatively broad and difficult to comprehensively answer one question. So, this comes back to that point of I want to write a book about everything because there are a million and one questions that people need to know. So, an easy example to think is financial services if you're a uh, a financial planner then you could talk to people about any number of different elements going from um critical illness or life insurance at one end of the spectrum to uh, retirement planning um, through to planning for school education funding all of those things as a financial planner you might cover but to the reader, to the recipient, all of although they're, they're too diverse, all of those things aren't gonna to appeal to the one person. And really, if you try to write a book that covered all of those things, it would be huge, and it would take you forever, and honestly, you're never gonna do it, because if you were gonna do it, mm-hmm. you would've done it by now. So, yes. knowing them to a specific target audience, and understanding that you want to address this particular customer group, that still might be very broad, if you're thinking about targeting people from a um, from a demographic point of view or geography based point of view I'm gonna target all um, all female customers between the ages of thirty five and sixty within fifty miles of where I operate business that might be good for a Facebook campaign because you can. Tie down those demographics, but in terms of writing a book, who those people are within that group are still too wide. So, the second stage of a purpose white line, you just might be at the stages where you've done some work to narrow it down, but still it's too broad to comprehensively answer one question within the confines of, of a book that you're practically going to create. So, dial it in a little bit further have that outline refined a little bit further. So you've got a very clear end point that you're working back to or back from. And the steps in the outline clearly take people from not necessarily knowing anything about it through the couple of things that they need to the outcome on the back. So the third level, and this is where we're we're starting to really get it dialed in. And I think most people are probably going to be between level two and three on most of Mm -hmm. these mindsets depending on how much time and attention they've put into each individual one so level one is really haven't thought about it at all level four at the top is you've got it absolutely dialed in and most people aren't quite there two and three is kind of that borderline between i've paid some attention to it but i could do more and i've paid quite a lot of attention to it but i could still dial it in a little bit further so level three then when we're talking about a purposeful outline You focus on answering one or two specific questions, but you still might not have a clear direction in order to lead people to the call to action at the back. So this is probably, I'd say, the majority of people who talk to us are kind of in this space where Uh they've, because we talk so much about dialing it in that most people have heard me pop on about it before. So most people come in and know that it should be dialed in a little bit. But still, having that very clear outline, thinking about the the outline as bullets in a presentation. So we're going to start the presentation at this point, doing some fundamentals, some basics, the introduction to the subject or context, kind of stating why it's important and what the benefits are at the end of it, kind of doing all of that pre-positioning piece. And then here are the three, four, five steps that you absolutely need to know in order to answer this particular thing correctly. And then finishing with, here's what to do next, Obviously, there's several other things that you need to know about, or once you've achieved this first level of competence, then you can take it to the second level. All of these next things, here's the way that you can start that part of the journey. So the book itself is comprehensively answering something in a useful way. The outline leads people from not necessarily knowing anything through some logical steps, Think of the table of contents, if it stood by itself, that it would still make sense, people would still get where you're going with it. And then the end is is the call to action and how to get to the next stage. And that leads into the fourth stage. So this is where you're really kind of at the top level in this particular mindset. So the best definition of a purposeful outline would be, you've considered the, the journey from the title, which is the promise of a solution, all the way through to the back cover, which is the call to action on what to do next. And there's a clear path for people to get value from the content and a reason for them to learn more. So that outline, as we were just describing, it really takes them from the promise of the title, which got them to raise their hand in the first place, through to, I'm going to share these useful bits of information, which if we never had another conversation, this would provide you with some value, through to, here's what to do next, and start taking the journey a little bit further
1: That's clear yeah yeah that's very that's, that's very clear i think you're right when you say that people sort of are somewhere in between um i don't you know the having a clear path is, is is important and i think sometimes maybe sometimes when people come back after they've had a chance to digest the book if they want to make any changes i think then we see maybe more that clear path, you know, that it had time to focus, and we'll see a little bit of tweaking. It's always interesting to see how someone tweaks a book on our end, you know, when they send it back, and and um, I think I've noticed this more and more how their table of contents it will even change, you know, yeah. how um, once they've they've had time to really get I into, it, and dive that's into a, it.
0: That's a great point because it's difficult. I mean, even in just this, we're talking about eight mindsets over the book blueprint score the we've been talking now for 20 minutes or so just on this one particular one obviously there's a there's a there's a limit to how much you can bring people on a journey in that first version from not necessarily having thought about this before or certainly not thought about it in the way that we talk about it through to having the most comprehensive output that they can possibly be and that really reinforces the 90 minute book approach of It's fast and cost-effective to get something out in the marketplace that tests the concept of whether this is even viable or worthwhile and then gives you an easy way, a simple way, to iterate on it later. So rather than a traditional publishing paradigm or way of thinking about it, which means that this is such a pain in the neck and it takes so long and it's so expensive to do all of this, that it needs to be perfect on the first attempt... And it's difficult and time-consuming and expensive to get to that point. But just as you said, it's not until you've had a chance to to think about it, to let it settle in, to put the book, the first version of the book, out there in the marketplace, to see how people are responding to it. Even with the best intention in the world, you could come into this being at the top level on all of these things, get it out there in the marketplace, and then realize, oh, hell, actually, this is... I've missed the point here. What the market actually wants, what people are finding most value in is the thing that's slightly to the side of it. So the whole approach is to quickly be able to get something that's as effective as it can be out in the market, test in the real world, and then come back and iterate and improve. And if it's worthwhile, iterate and improve and go through the motions of making those improvements. (laughs) because you're coming from a greater place of understanding as well because you've been through the process once you've understand how it works it's like driving so i'm crossing the uk 90 percent of the vehicles across here are, are manual transmissions obviously in the states the other way around 90 percent of automatics when you're learning uh-huh. to drive as a 17 year old kid the difficulty of driving a manual a stick shift even just getting the pedals to work, it's such a kind of, it all lives in your conscious mind. It's such an overhead, but having driven for uh, too many years, I care to remember, but I don't think you even think about the manual transmission. Now, all of that becomes second nature. And same with the book. A lot of these things that we're talking about are taking some conscious mental effort to process. But once you've had a book out there, once you've got the feedback, once you've, a lot of these things have formed into place, all of the stuff that can, become second nature and become more familiar does. And then you can really look at accelerating and pulling the lever on the things that really make a difference and tweaking the outline to make it even better than the version that we'd help you create might be one of those levers that's well worth doing. I think that's the other thing as well. I mean, we talk about all of this and obviously we've done just coming up on 500 books now. So a lot of these things, we are coming from the position of this is automatic and and subconscious and it, and it makes sense how all of the pieces fall together. If you're coming to it and you're thinking that, holy cow, I've just listened to them talk for 20 minutes and I really don't know what they're talking (laughs) about, then Hey, that might be a fair on, on my part for not being clear enough, but it might just be that, hey, just go through this once or twice. Get a couple of, ex- I mean, I don't mean create a couple of books, but just think about the outline a couple of times. Do the first version of it. If Obviously, if you're working with us, then we'll guide you through all of this. But if you're listening to this, doing it yourself, then write a couple of the outlines, leave it to the side, come back the next week and look at it again. And if you look at the outline just by itself and you're thinking, that doesn't make sense, or I'm not trying to sh- I'm not sure what I was getting at there, or the order of that isn't as logical as I thought it was when I first did it. All of that's the opportunity mm-hmm. just to let it settle in a little bit and then come back and and tweak and and um, that second time of looking you're probably going to have a clearer set of eyes because you've gone past that first stage again, there's so much conscious effort of getting it down there, going from zero to something is way, way, way more difficult than going from something mm-hmm. to something better because of that whole inertia of getting it started.
1: I like that you said, I was just thinking about, we've had a couple of clients who, have, for personal reasons, have come on board and they've they've started the, the outline. They've gotten that far and then they've sort of, you know, had to deal with business or personal issues. And those individuals I always notice when they've had some time away from it, you know, unintentionally, they come back, there's always a different perspective and right. I see them doing additional work or tweaking things a little bit more. So I think that's, that's really true to say, particularly if you are doing this on your own, um, bless you, um, for, for doing that, <laughs> but, um, good luck, you know, but, um, I think that's true. You have to kind of s- step away and say, okay, is, is this, you know, valuable? Is this the, the, the right place to head? Am I headed down that Quote unquote clear path you know yeah. um but i think people, when they've had that chance to stop and and take some time away from it and come back to it i think they are able to regroup and see wow i think there's something else here that might be more valuable
0: yeah. um and a the different way thing, to go so. exactly and i think that if for whatever reason you've got a A pause kind of forced upon you by external circumstances, that's great. On the other side, people who move through the process pretty fast, Mm -hmm. the whole thing around having this set up, so dialing it in, refining it, is really going from the 80% to the 90%. We're definitely going to get you to the 80%. And if you're doing this by yourself, you're almost certainly going to get a good way along the track that that first pass so if you are moving fast through the process and you also get it out there and get that feedback the whole process that we that we've set up and we talk about you guys setting up if you're doing it by yourselves of being able to iterate on it later means that you can do those updates, do those corrections based on both your own feedback and the external feedback of customers. So the only thing, if anyone's listening to this and thinking, oh, I should probably do that, now," I should write the first version and then leave it a month mm-hmm. and then come back to it, the only thing I'd caution there is don't, because no matter how much time you leave it, time's going to pass yeah. anyway and still get it out there and feedback from real people. Because I think it's definitely right. the case that people you really don't know this whole kind of lean startup type methodology of you can have the best intentions in the world or the best plans or the best academic market research but until you actually put it out there in the hands that real world feedback is really going to change what your perception is of, of what people want so um yeah i think both groups of people have got that great advantage in, and the real key thing is as you said when you look at it through a second a, a later set of eyes it's surprising how much how you see it in a slightly different way mm-hmm. i think so yeah okay, okay so that's good, that's good. yeah that was number five we are 30 minutes in but i'm definitely going to dive through number six as well because let's do it otherwise we'll uh it's this, this going to take us forever to get through these so number six yeah. value-driven content And by it, it will take us a long time to get through it. I mean, it'll take me because I'm the one that's talking too much.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. Uh,
0: So number six on the Book Blueprint scorecard, value-driven content. So we've talked about a lot of this already, kind of made suggestions to it, that the content in many ways is the least important part of the whole process up to assuming that you pass a certain threshold. So – In most of the cases that we're talking about, we're talking to people about starting conversations with potential customers. We're not talking about creating books to sell where the book itself is the product, although there might be reasons why you want to sell it from a positioning point of view. But the underlying thought is that the book isn't the product. The product is either you or the service that you're looking to sell that's mentioned in the call to action it's this is the start of the conversation that ends in them becoming a customer so content is the least important element of all of the things that we've talked about because we're not talking about you being an author in the traditional sense of the word and writing a book and the book being the product we're talking about you being an author and getting all of the benefits of the authority and creating something that gives value as a way of starting the conversation and then the content needs to compel people if they get to the content it needs to compel them to move from the front cover to the back cover in a way that they feel they get value start to build that rapport start to know like and trust you so the next steps the other bits of the conversation which we'll talk about in Mindset number eight when we get to beyond your book and the things that the book is just the start of the journey. But the content is really just to make sure that there's no ill feeling, no ill feeling. People don't feel cheated. They feel like they've got value. They understand that there's always other things that could be talked about. But what we're trying to deliver is the most comprehensive answer to this thing that was suggested or give them the most comprehensive way of getting the benefits that are suggested by the cover. So far, so good.
1: So far, so good. So, um, I I think kind of value-driven content and beneficial constraints. I have some things to say, but they may overlap. But we'll just touch on them anyway. You know, sometimes when people come in, um, there's a lot of. Well, I'm in real estate, and I want to write a real estate book, and um, you know, which is, I mean, that could be a 500 page. (laughs) <laughs> business book. When you think about that kind of of scope, and if you haven't really, even though we we've worked on the outline and we know kind of where we're headed with it, people want to put so much into a book. Sometimes, you know, um, and we know that that's not the. I mean, the content is great, and it wants this to be, you know, a value to the to the reader, but um, it doesn't need to be two hundred pages to do that. You know, and that is sometimes very hard for people to grasp on because they want to cram everything into it because they think the reader needs to know all of this. And um, as we will talk about in the mindset, you know, no, just touch on it enough so that they they wanna raise their hand, you know, they wanna reach out and reach out sorry about that, reach out and say, Hey, tell me more, you know, I wanna I wanna know more. What else do you have in your
0: and it always bag. comes back to that kind of job of work thing and as you say i mean it really does cross over into the next one beneficial constraints mm-hmm. which we'll talk mm-hmm. about in a future mm-hmm. show but realistically speaking and this is the i know the conversations that you have with people reinforce this all the time realistically speaking there may well be a use case for why that book is valuable if you're mm-hmm. If the way that you're using it means that you need to be able to walk in and drop a heavy book on the table that creates a thud and all of that, um, all of the baggage that comes with that around creating it, the extra time, the extra money, the cost and the overhead, if all of that is worthwhile then by all means by all means do it there was a um we often refer to the book as the box as book in a box as the other end of the spectrum because they create more traditional bestseller type books that have far more content than the, the books that we create there's um there's a different it serves a different purpose but it comes at a different cost in terms of the actual financial cost to significantly different from where we're coming in the time cost and even the time to get it completed not just your time in the project but the time to get it completed if there's a use case for that then by all means that's worthwhile but understand what those costs are and understand that the be comfortable that that investment is going to be worthwhile as opposed to Mm -hmm. writing something as you just suggested that starts the conversation so Real estate is a great example because we've got a significant real estate business that, that Dean runs on the GoGo agent side of things. And in there, we quite often talk about things all the way down from guides so not even really crossing the threshold into a book, but the guide side of things through to we've got books like how to sell your house to a top dollar that the realtors use. And those are books that talk about one specific subject, but it's a way of getting people to raise their hand and start the conversation Mm -hmm. so i mean not to beat a dead horse but i think you're exactly right that that perception that people come from for all the reasons we talked about in the traditional book world and they come expecting or or that's the position that they're coming from instead Mm -hmm. getting people to think of well what if you could get a lot of those benefits at a fraction of the the cost both in terms of time and money overall that's almost always more worthwhile than thinking that you've got to cover absolutely everything
1: absolutely and i think that you know in fairness those that follow dean and follow us and you know are very familiar with with us they come in with they, they understand what the purpose of the book is and um those are very easy Those are very easy books to get accomplished, you know, um, it's an easier, an easier climb. So when you're, when you're, when you're following that and, um, like you said, book in a box is great, um, but it's a much longer process financially. It's a huge commitment, um, you know, so, um, yeah yeah and so it's
0: sometimes it's hard,
1: hard to talk people off that ledge
0: you know? yeah and i mean if people are quite happy being on the less, that ledge and they're on the ledge with their <laughs> eyes wide open so they know what the right if they're actually making that judgment then that's perfect and if the if the judgment was that they needed that that's absolutely not something that we're going to deliver for them because it's a completely different product product um but getting people to the point where they do question those things is is great. And I think to make it more accessible for everyone. So again, as you're listening to this, the objective is to make it as accessible as possible and really say this is something that you can do. The book blueprint scorecards, mindsets are there to kind of guide you into making it the most effective possible. That most effective possible is going to vary from person to person. So even if you do feel like you need to go down the very um, traditional big book type, approach um then still use the book blueprint scorecard to validate each of those steps it's just those steps are going to be at a different level to what we typically talk about in in the model it gets out (laughs) faster and 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 more cost effective right so both of those elements then if you're if you're looking to sell a book and the book is the product, obviously the the value of the value driven content needs to be significantly higher because there's an expectation when people are buying a book that it delivers a certain amount. When you're talking about getting people to raise their hand, answering the one specific question as detailed as possible, then being as detailed as possible but no more detailed is the best way to think about it so the four stages in this mindset let's quickly run through them so we start off by saying you're writing a book to show people how much you know so they know why they should hire you and this is a a conversation that i know we have quite a lot where people want to write something so that they're evidencing how much of an expert they are it's interesting because quite often the same conversation will be, well, I want to tell people how much I know so they know how good I am, but equally I don't want to tell them, I don't want to give them actual answers to things because then why would they work with me? So it's kind of people at this stage are kind of shooting themselves in both feet, not just, not just one. right? Because it's kind of missing the point if no matter how much you tell people, it's like the real estate, real estate example when, and I Dean's talked to it a lot about the traditional thing of having the real photo on a, on a, the back of a, on a bus stop chair. And uh, as opposed to sending out a postcard campaign or doing some, of the more of the direct response stuff that we talk about. And he'll often say, oh, do you want to be rich or famous? So writing something oh. that just talks about how good you are and how much you know, isn't going to push anyone's button. I mean, the silly title for a book like that would be um, the guide to how great Joe Bloggs is. And no one's going to buy that because no one cares apart from your mom. You right, might buy right. it, I guess. But, um, yeah. So at the lowest end, it's, it's writing for the wrong reasons. It's not giving them value. It's not adding anything with the assumption that even if you never spoke again, this is still going to give them something of value. It's really writing them, it's like a glorified sales pitch to a certain degree mm-hmm. this actually this is interesting because this crosses sometimes into we get a lot of people or a number of people who want to write based on a, a talk or a presentation that they've given and often people will say well i've got this presentation recorded already why can't i just use that and okay. will in every case will try and dissuade people from doing that because the intent and the approach even if the kind of context of the presentation is good. And if you were to take the same outline for the presentation and record it again as a book, that might work. But in recording it again, the intent of how it's being recorded is specific to the context of a book. It's absolutely dialed in knowing how that audience is is receiving it and consuming it. Whereas just trying to use something that was delivered from stage the intonation in the voice, the words that you use, the expectations that people can see you moving or the slides behind you just means that the words that end up on the page of the book are disconnected. And a little bit this crosses over that because so much of that presentation type world is around the first five slides establish who you are and why it's important that you're on stage or there's the there's like the bigger picture of you on stage because of a reason, because you were invited there, which all of those things don't really translate well into a book. And it kind of falls under this first column a little bit. You're writing to show people how much you know, so that they know why they should hire you rather than you're answering a question to be helpful to them and then giving them the opportunity to follow the conversation. It's, um, it's all in that early stage. Right. So the yeah. second stage then, and as with the last one, these middle two stages is probably where most people are sat at the moment, mm-hmm. either when they come to start working with us, or as you're listening to this now, you're probably somewhere in this, in this area. So the second stage, you know you want to share some knowledge, but you keep some back, and instead just clearly indicate why they need to work with you to learn more. So you can see this is the development of the previous one. It's slightly better here because you know that you need to share some knowledge, but just giving people a superficial view of it, not really answering their question, but telling people that, um, again, I always pick on financial advisors. I don't know why, it's I just know. fresh in my mind. Uh, I don't know that they're particularly worse than, than anyone else, but it's the example that's always springs to mind. So quite often we'll hear people talking about, well, obviously you need to plan for this particular financial event, or you need to do this particular thing about your taxes, or you need to make sure that this particular insurance is sorted out. But really, the only way that you can do that is by coming into the office and talking to us. Now, to a certain degree, that might be correct, but that's probably just the top level of it. In every circumstance that I can think of and the experience that we've had with people, in every circumstance, you could write something that would allow people to find their own answers. Quite happy for people to write in their... Obviously, doing this by yourself is complicated. There are lots of moving parts to it. There's a number of elements that could go wrong if you just happen to go down the wrong track. So our advice is always come in for a consultation or a free consultation and we can walk you through it. But if you really want to do this by yourself or if you just want to do a lot of due diligence before coming to the office, then here's the valuable content that will absolutely answer these questions and give you the benefits that were stated on the cover of the book and the back of a copy the call to action is obviously with this in mind coming for a particular free assessment as dialed into what they're doing as possible so not a generic free assessment but a specific analysis of this thing that we've just talked about in the book but still it's given them some value i think for a lot of people when they're just starting to think about this they're thinking that they need to share something and they're quite happy to share something but there's almost this scarcity it's um Dean has, um, there's an Isle of Marketing episode with Dean and Joe that talks about the difference between an idea and execution. And Dean comes very much from the perspective that an idea trumps execution. And mm-hmm. I'm more on the side that execution trumps the idea. Mm-hmm. Because... I agree. Yeah. Where we are in, and the real answer is both of it. Absolutely important. And yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. Nothing beats a the, a better idea as long as that better idea is executed to the best extent. And equally so, you can be executing a, a rubbish idea to the best extent and it not be as as effective as poorly executing a better idea. So th- there's never an answer, but just bringing it back into the context of these books and people saying that they want to keep some stuff back, that's coming from a mindset that's outdated. I could probably guarantee that whatever someone could come on the podcast, we talk about their idea and almost in a hundred percent of circumstances, I would say that within 10 minutes of Googling, I could find the answer to whatever it is we're talking about because just the pure information is no longer a competitive advantage because so much information is available now now what is a competitive advantage is the implementation of that idea and understanding it and really seeing how it fits in a bigger picture and that's the thing that no matter what you write in your book you're never going to be able to give that information away because that's comes from 10 years worth of experience it's not something that you could write down on a page you could write down and here's the three things that are specific around this tax law, and here are the three things that, in my experience, are things that either catch people out or things that you need to be super aware of. But even so, even if you've given away all of that, it's still not going to be the same as people coming into the office and you doing it for them. And by not writing it in the book, the risk is that they're not getting value from it, and they'll get the sense that you're holding something back. Particularly if you go as far as writing, obviously the only way that you're going to really get something from this is to come and see me. Or there are three other things I could tell you, but I'm not going to tell you until you come and see me, even worse. But by putting it out there, you're really creating that relationship with the person, that building that reciprocity, giving the most value-driven content you can within the confines of the book, and then clearly saying to people, obviously it's best if we can do this for you, Or obviously it's best if we can review this for you, because no matter what I write here, I can't put in my 10 years of experience on these pages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The people who are receiving the book, who request it, the ones who are just going to do it by themselves anyway, who have got no intention of working with you, are never going to work with you, no matter whether you put in some rubbishy light content or some heavy detailed content. If they're of that mindset, they're unlikely to convert anyway. But what it will impact is those people who are either definitely going to work with you or on the fence of working with you. And if it's if the content is really holding back, if it's too much, I'm not going to give you the secret until you come into the office, then it's going to deter those people. So the uh-huh. net position is that it's it's a negative rather than a positive. Um Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's three. That's I'm sure I said that this one was going to be quick, but still, there's always, it uh, was. there's always more that I can say on it. You
1: know, it always falls. But, um, you know, I, I think people, I don't, I, I don't want to pick on financial advisors either, but <laughs> you know, a lot of the information is um, standard. It's just, yeah. it's standard information. And so sometimes, and people say that to me a lot. They'll say, you know, um, I want to write a book about, you know, the best, whatever, the retirement, where to put your money for the best return on your, in your retirement or what have you, something like, you know, like that. And they'll say, but I see you have three or four books along with that subject in in your gallery. And I I always, people are always like, so is, is is there another book needed that people ask me that? And there (laughs) is because every, and the thing is, it's everyone's voice is just a little bit different. You know, and, and that's the thing I said, what you're going to bring, it can be the same information. It can be one to 10, exactly the same information, but how you, how, whatever it is, your voice that's there, um, what you can offer, how you're going to do things, how you would do things. Those are things that are different, yeah, you know. Um, and and that's why you read these books, you can see that. I mean, you can yeah. see the difference, just reading the ones we've done, you know.
0: And um, that's the key thing, particularly things like, as you say, financial services, all those things where there's a core set of fundamental rules and everyone is following the same rules. I mean, that right. argument is almost like saying, well, there's, there's one tax law written in the country, so why is there more than one tax company because surely just right. one company would have found the most effective way to do this and then it would just dominate. I mean, there are some big companies out there like um, HMR Block and TurboTax mm-hmm. and some of the other ones, but there's also a million other, well, not a million, but <laughs> there's also a large yeah. number of other ones because exactly as you said, it's your tone, it's what you bring to it, it's your mm-hmm. customer service that you wrap around it, it's your access to the market. So all of the books that that we've written are... I mean, I don't think any of them are, I mean, all of them could be national, but I don't think any of them are particularly national. The majority of people that we're working with are people who are working within a geographic or a kind of demographic area. So it's not like we're working with, I mean, we're working with some big companies that have some big reach, but it's not like we're working with Coca-Cola who are doing a national campaign and the book is the best beverage recipe. It's that even with the big companies that we're working with, they tend to be dealing within specific niches. Right. And their access to the market or who they resonate with best is different from how you resonate um you who are thinking about it resonate best with your group of people. Um and in fact actually I'd put a challenge out there. We've done quite a lot of um the last couple of podcasts we've talked about syndication books. So mm-hmm. we've um, we've had quite a lot of people reach out to us and there's a lot of conversations going on like that at the moment. But I'd put the challenge out there. If you think that you've got a book that you could get national reach with, that you have a particular view on things which is different from someone else or just your approach is slightly different, if you want to write that syndication book and then license it out to other financial advisors or florists or real estate agents all of the things that we talked about in last week's show um, so jump back to show 52 because we dove into a few more examples of this but you've got the perfect opportunity of writing it for yourself dominating in your local market to the extent that you want and then allowing it to be syndicated to the other coast or to the next state or to places where really your reach only goes so far. So you might as well take your knowledge and, and let it help other people and have like a win-win situation where you can make some money off that. So if you are thinking that, that, um, that this is an issue that the one that you're writing is relevant to all markets, then syndicate it. It's a great opportunity to add to what you're doing, but anyone that's seeing a book that's out there, um, it's like, well, go back to the real estate, the people's faces on, on bus stops and um, chairs at um, bus stops. There's more than one real estate agent in your town, and there might be two bus stops opposite each other on the road with two different pictures on. Um, again, not suggesting that's the best way of doing it, but just because something already exists, it doesn't exist in your voice, and it doesn't exist right. with the reach to your market. So... uh so, okay, let's move on and get uh, get wrapped up because we are drifting towards the hour here. Um, if when this show goes out, it ends up being in two parts, it's because I ended up splitting it, but I think we'll stick it out as one. But, uh, so the last two stages in the book blueprint mindset, number six, value-driven content. So this the third stage then, and this is probably where the majority of people are, You make sure that uh, you make sure to cover the subject promised in the title, but hold back some of the secrets. So the level between two and three, and again, head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast and episode 53 to download a copy of the book blueprint scorecard or go to dot com and and fill it out for yourself. But the level between these two, it's the same path. It's just a a gradiated difference. It's a, 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 advancing your thinking a little bit further down the track so if you're at this level you know that you want to cover the subject that's promised you keep it dialed in you give as much information as possible but you're still holding something back and the worst case uh, examples of this is where because if you are holding back secrets then the people might not necessarily know but the worst case of this is where people clearly say okay, and there is some other stuff that I could tell you, but you need to come into the office for that. Now, there's a way of saying that in a good way, which is more along the lines of, obviously, there's there's more to this and it's a complex subject. So the best thing that you can do is, is come in for the free assessment or send in your... Uh, fill out this form and, and we'll do an assessment based off it so there are ways of saying the same thing but in a better way but if you're in a position where you are writing something but you're clearly stating that you're holding something back because of this kind of false thought that that makes you special in some way or people will be kind of wowed or in awe of the fact that you've got other secrets that you can't share them um that's the that's not the best position to be in and then the fourth level so this is really where you've got it dialed in at the top possible level as far as the content's concerned is you understand that this opportunity is the opportunity to start a conversation by giving the most value um the book is the most comprehensive answer to an important but narrow question and the content is entirely focused on answering that and giving that value and not about you it's to start them on the conversation to the next journey Um, start them on the step to the next part of their journey rather I think this this last element is really getting to the point of the book itself isn't a conversion tool. It's an identification tool. So we talk about profit activator number two, getting people to raise their hand. Out of all of the population out there, these are the people who are the most likely to be your customers so you can put some more attention to these people. So the job of the book is to get them to raise their hand. The job of the work isn't to convince them to take an action. We've talked about the content leading to the back cover, so it's to compel them to take the next action. It's to give them opportunities to raise their hand more, if you like, or for them to take the next step, that minimum viable commitment call to action. But it's not to kind of overwhelm them with how great you are and why you're the best and why they should work mm-hmm. with you and they're stupid if they don't. Um, I think if people remember or come to it from that mindset, there are ways of subtly queuing that information. But I think thinking about it as the value should be valuable enough to get them past the threshold of thinking that it is valuable the easy way of doing that is to have some constraints which we'll talk about in the next mindset episode um, but really as long as it delivers on the promise of the cover and it doesn't have to deliver any more, meaning that it is achievable it is cost effective it is fast to get out there then that really is the you're positioning your book as the best um, best it can be to do this job there we go yeah. There we go. Okay, you know, I uh, I gave Betsy a quick text because this is we call it, we're recording this on Tuesday, and obviously we'd usually get this out on the weekend, so um, timing just didn't align. So I dropped Betsy a quick line saying, "Hey, if you got time for a quick recording? We're just going <laughs> to knock out these two, and it'll be quick. And this is probably heading to the longest show recently. <laughs> I think
1: it is. I think so. But you know, it's good information. It's very it's it's valuable content. So um, it is. <laughs> you know so yeah I, I think the listener um will we gain should be just been stronger or I should
0: have just been strong on the beneficial constraints. <laughs> right,
1: there you go. There
0: okay. You go. <laughs> so for as you're listening to this, a couple of actions to take next to to really get this dialed in for you guys. Um, first, head over to either 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast, and this is episode 53. Take a look at the show notes. The transcript will be up in a day or two, and then you can just scroll through head over to bookblueprintscore.com to complete your own scorecard. So these are the questions laid out. gives you the opportunity to enter a score in and then we'll email you afterwards just that uh, that overview of what your score was. So it's a great way of identifying which elements you've already got dialed in and which ones you could perhaps pay a little bit more attention to in order to get a better outcome. If you want to be a guest on the show, uh, we put this offer out there a couple of weeks ago and we've had some great responses, so we're going to start scheduling those now theoretically talking about it with myself and Betsy is obviously great, but there's nothing quite like talking about real life scenarios. So if you've had a chance to listen to more cheese, less whiskers or listing agent lifestyle, we want to follow a similar model, at least in some of the shows and give you guys the opportunity for either people who are thinking about writing a book, whether or not it's with us. But if you're thinking about writing a book, then come on and we can do some strategizing around, create some evil schemes around how to create the book in the first place. Um, We're going to put the offer out to some of the existing authors that we've worked with, and you've already heard from some already in past shows. But if you guys listen to this, want to come on the call to uh, just strategize about how you can use the book now it's completed... Um, or maybe even as Betsy was saying before, she's, you've had it out there for a while and you've got some feedback and you're now thinking about dialing in a, a version update or writing a second book to address the second market, again, feel free, uh, head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast. And on the page there, there's a Be A Guest link on the right-hand side. Fill in some details and we're going to get those scheduled over the next couple of weeks. Um, one last one. Oh. If you're not on the the more Cheese last Whiskers list then dean recorded a show that went out last week with dr phil Yu, who's a um they've got a genetics-based solution to um, knee pain and joint recovery that type of thing so a non-surgical um um procedure so they were talking very much about using a book to feed their life workshops so they've got a model where they'll advertise a workshop they'll bring people to the workshop they'll give them some information about the procedure and then they'll convert clients from there so they were that was an hour talking specifically about how to make that more effective and how to separate out this lead collection from conversion point of view so collecting as many names as possible at the front, as many relevant names as possible, and then following up with the workshop because you've already started that conversation. But rather than only being able to talk with the people who are ready to jump on board and go to a workshop today, as they are in the existing model, changing that to a book as the lead generator, as the front end, allows you to collect all of the names of people who might be interested. And then over time, when they're ready, they can come into the to the funnel and attend a workshop and go from there. So, if you haven't listened to that, that's episode eighty-seven of the More Cheese Less Whiskers podcast. So, head over to morecheeslesswhiskers.com episode eighty-seven, Doctor Phil you and it's a great practical example of how to have a how a book can really juice up and amplify an existing funnel. So, huh? I think that's it. I mean, the only other thing to say is obviously. We've talked for an hour now, in <laughs> an hour, we could have recorded your book and have it down there uh, in the process ready to uh, ready to turn into a book and get out in the door. so if you are we, ready exactly. If you are ready to get started, then head over to ninety minutebooks.com forward slash start and there's uh, all the steps that you need to take, and we can have your book out um, by the summer and it can be collecting leads Very good. Any last words? No,
1: great show. (laughs)
0: Okay. I think I've definitely run out of words as well now, finally. So (laughs) thanks, everyone, for listening. Like I say, if you want to be a guest on the show, head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast and be a guest. And then we'll catch you all in the next one. Very good. Take care. Thanks, Betsy. Bye.